You guys ready to start doing something? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Are you ready, Dave? See. Si. Muy excelente. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. I'm Rob Fiorandino, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Carney and Dave. Hello, Carney. Hello, Rob. And hello, Dave. I am very befuddled on how to say hello, but hi. Are you? <laughs> Is it, it doesn't come up very often. So we have a little bit of follow-up from last week. Uh, as you guys, uh, as you regular listeners will know, uh, I had some frozen pipes <clears throat> and my kitchen sink stopped uh, working. Well, it turns out I'm actually an idiot, and I did not have frozen pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I spent, as and I went into quite a bit of detail on last week's podcast about how much time I spent trying to thaw them and trying to figure out what was wrong. So we waited a couple of days until it got a bit warmer. But, you know, the kitchen sink still isn't working. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And so I finally started doing a little bit more serious troubleshooting, took took a little bit of the uh, <clears throat> sink apart and figured out that, oh, the aerator in, <laughs> in the faucet was clogged <laughs> and it had... And it had just happened to clog at exactly the same moment as we got to <laughs> minus 27 degrees. So naturally, I assumed <clears throat> that it was weather-related. It, however, was not. So I That is to... an astonishing amount of clog. Yeah. <laughs> it I... was. It, it went completely dead. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and you know, now that I think back on it, I, I realized that it had been kind of running slow for about a month before it completely clogged but some rust or something worked loose probably because of the cold conditions and yeah the, yeah that's what i was thinking is the cold might have had an impact so it wasn't unrelated just well, uh, maybe anyway i still felt like a complete idiot but luckily trying to give you some cover here oh, i appreciate <laughs> it thank you very much i need all the help i can get at this point my poor bruised ego you realize you're the reason why all the helplines have these lists of things that people like me have to go through <laughs> Yes. I wish there was a way to just turn off my sink and then restart it, turn the power back on, and it would just reset itself like all my other electronics. But, <laughs> but I went to Home Depot, got myself a $30 faucet, and uh, it works perfectly now. So very happy and uh, feel a little bit foolish. But hey, I, you know, mistakes are just opportunities to learn, right? <laughs> So hopefully you're going to have the uh, sink that you, uh, the faucet that you bought, a uh, link, in, link in the show notes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know how religiously I put things in the show notes. We talk about show notes a lot. We don't really do a very good job of putting links in the show notes. Okay. Because uh, I really am curious to see the, uh, what you got for 30 bucks. Cause... Oh, it's, you know, it was the, it's kind of the whole, we have one of those uh spray nozzles that kind of you know come they they're retractable and they go in goes into the sink and then you kind of pull it out mm -hmm. and you spray and then you spray it well we i basically you know i looked at the, i took it all apart I, I saw the aerator was there and i knew it was clogged and i'm like well i could go to the hardware store and try to find exactly this aerator and put it in so we went to home depot we looked around they didn't have anyone that would fit that but they did have like the universal spray handle it's basically the top 
you know, the whole thing that goes on the end of the retractable hose. Um, and it's kind of a universal brushed metal thing. So we just bought the whole thing as opposed to, I mean, I could have spent, you know, we could have gone to some plumbing supply store or something and probably found exactly the part I needed for a dollar. But, you know, $30 wasn't the end of the world. And it was so much, it was such a relief not to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> buying new pipes or, or you know, t- trying to re-insulate all my pipes after I thought about that, you know, 30 bucks at that point sounded like nothing. <laughs> you know, I understand exactly what you're talking about. So anyway. Let's move on to topics. You guys ready to talk about some topics? We've got uh, we got a couple of good juicy ones here. I want to talk about. Uh, want to, I want to talk. I want to actually start with one, the one that's number two on the list. There, guys. I want to talk about robot vacuum cleaners because I know Dave, you've had uh, several Roombas, and I've been considering them lately because we have we have a cat who has uh, a large amount of hair that is not attached to her body <laughs> frequently <laughs> it's sprinkled everywhere yes how a 10 pound cat can produce 20 pounds of fur <laughs> exactly <laughs> so dave what's your what's your experience with the robot vacuum cleaners is this a good idea for me well i was thinking about this a little bit and it seems like i had one back in 03 and then maybe in 06 so you know that was back before battery technology was very good, but really, what killed them both was uh, human hair. My my wife has hair that's probably almost two feet long, mm-hmm. and yeah, those things are just not. They were they were designed, you know, too delicately to deal with that kind of stuff on a regular basis. So, um, I really liked having it, but the cost. Um, in fact, I went to. Uh, to a place, a big box store yesterday, and there were two, they had two Roombas, $500 and $579. And I thought, you know, that's got to last me more than like six months. Yeah, that is a lot of, that is a lot. I, I think that, yeah, more than, that's the amount surprised me. I mean, I'm not really into vacuum cleaners, but I was expecting them to be cheaper than that. I mean, that's non-competitive with a person-powered <laughs> vacuum cleaner, in my opinion. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, oh, yeah, my wife bought me a very nice Dyson vacuum cleaner about five years ago. Probably spent 450 bucks for that. And, you know, it's not even halfway through its life, I'm sure. So, Yeah, I think they might have come down in price a little bit. I know the one that the wire cutter... The wire cutter's favorite uh, one is the Ufi Robovac 11S, quiet, nimble, and affordable. <laughs> is uh, actually less than <laughs> it's actually one seventy nine ninety nine or one hundred eighty bucks. So that's pretty. That seems a little bit better than five hundred. Well, and I, I I would recharacterize what you're saying. I think they've they've spread in price because mm. the ones that I got were probably three fifty and four hundred, and these were five hundred and nearly six hundred but that doesn't mean there's a you know you obviously found some cheaper ones the ones that i saw were both wi-fi enabled i think they have a camera you can drive them with your iphone i mean you can monitor Why? <laughs> yeah yeah some of the more expensive ones have have the ability to like map up create like a map of your house too it's like okay no you're right the uh, the roomba 690 is 300 dollars on amazon and then if you want to get like the total upgrade pick 
Uh, you get the Roomba 960, 550, and then the best robot vacuum cleaner money can buy, $1,100. Oh, that's got the self-emptying dustbin and the ability to clean specific rooms on command. Yeah, and to, to my old question about why, it's, you know, because it's there. <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> That's actually the conclusion I came to. Yeah, but there, yeah, there have been, oh, this has been in the, new, in the security news where um, somehow people's inner layouts of their home were, you know, being mapped and then making it onto the Internet. And so, yeah, it does it. Wow, really? Well, I mean, yeah, if I, if I was a burglar and somebody had a nice house that I was going to hit and, you know, I was actually a competent burglar, yeah, you, you know, that'd be the first thing. Do they have a Roomba? Do they have one of them with a camera? Oh, can I get into it? Yeah. Hmm, oh, that's a nice TV. There's the safe. A floor plan sure would be handy on this burglary. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the burglar's seal of approval. Get one. So, so it was the, but it was the long hair. It was your, your wife's long hair that killed it. What did it just kind of wrap itself around there and then wreck the motor or how did it, how did it actually kill it? Yeah, it would wrap itself around the little beater bar. I, uh, I mean, I knew it was fragile. I cleaned it on a regular basis, but I mean, the amount of my wife's hair, I mean, the favorite room that I, I really enjoyed using the Roomba in was our master bathroom as carpeting. And you know, it, would, it would really fluff it up nicely. So you're walking around there with bare feet. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. But it's also where, you know, there's more of my wife's hair than the rest of the entire house combined. So it was just, it, over time, I think it just stressed out. I mean, the little tiny motors associated with this thing so it could sip on the crappy battery technology of the time. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a recipe for short life. So do you think they've, you, you, what's your guess? Do you think they've fixed that kind of stuff or is it just going to be, that's the way it is? Well, battery technology has improved dramatically. I mean, this was not using lithium batteries back then. Mm. Oh, um, yuck. For, for example. Um, so battery technology is going to be way different now. Everything else, I mean, they just keep putting more and more stuff into it. So, you know, I would buy a bare bones basic one. And see how you liked it, and mm-hmm. you know if you if your cat enjoyed it as a toy. <laughs> I have a feeling my cat is going to run screaming from the room. <laughs> well, that would be their first reaction. But if my cats are anything to go by, their first reaction to any motorized thing is to run away. And then over the next week, you know, they'll come out, get a little closer, a little closer. After two weeks, I'm sure your cat will be riding the Roomba. <laughs> you know, we've got we got the um, treadmill. And now every time I get on the treadmill, I've got two cats that get on the treadmill with me for the first, you know, power-up ride. And it dumps them off the back, and then we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it sounds like an amusement park. (laughs) It is. It's an e-ticket ride. (laughs) Now, does your cat have rain at the entire house 24-7? Not the basement for me, but... Okay, but I mean, where this thing is going to be. Yeah. If we got one, it would be on the main floor, and the cat definitely has has for free reign. Last I recall, you have a lot of uh, not carpeting on that yeah. floor. We have yes, hardwood floors and some rugs. We have uh, one big rug, which supposedly these guys can do like the off roading and pop the lip of the rug. We'll see. Yeah, even the old ones will be able to mount a, a rug that's not just insanely tall. Anything else to say on robot vacuum cleaners? 
Well, given your uh, ratio of hardwood and whatever to rugs, I mean, they make ones that are designed for not carpeting. Mm-hmm. And I would probably be inclined to, to consider that more strongly. Well, yeah, I mean, the the place that we would be, they would have it just kind of has a couple couple big room rugs in the living room and the dining room, and then our, our entryway is tile, and then the kitchen is hardwood. Yeah, and my experience about the hair, like I said, really negatively impacted by where I really enjoyed having it fluff up the carpeting. So if you don't do that, it might not be too much of a thing, but I would not start with the $500 model, even if you got some extra cash. No, I would start. I would start with the cheapest one, and because if we ended up loving it, we'd probably put another one. We'd probably have to have two, then one upstairs and one downstairs. Unless you enjoyed listening to it fall down the stairs. <laughs> if it got, if it goes down the stairs, you blame the cat because it got pushed. <laughs> There's not room enough in the house for the both of us. Thump, 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 thump. Right. <laughs> you just vacuumed up my catnip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to move on to a, on a topic that I've been meaning to, I wanted to talk about for a few weeks uh, now, actually, and it's uh, how to measure household electrical use. Now, Dave, I know you are a an avid electrical measurer, and uh, let's start at the beginning. Why why do you like uh, why do you like to know exactly how much electricity you're using? Well, in the beginning, money was tight, and so things that you uh, spend money on were of interest to me. And I started messing around with measuring this stuff way back in college. So, I mean, that, that's what made me interested. And what's your, uh, and so what's your current methodology? Well, my primary method is, well, I have two things now. Um, they've installed the smaller smart meters on, on my, you know, in my neighborhood, on my house. So I can actually go to a website and look at, uh, historical use and, uh, not quite real time, um, so that's a, been a big, nice change as of late. But prior to that, and currently, you know, if you want to find out what one device uses, um, there's a device called the kilowatt. I think it has some competition, but that's the uh, that's the one I've been using. You plug it into a, an outlet, you plug the device into the kilowatt, and it has several buttons. You can look at watts, volts, amps. Uh, accumulated current you know a kilowatt hour uh usage and then for how how long it's been turned on so looking at all those things you can come up with either you know if you want to know the average over time because maybe you want to know how much your refrigerator uses while it's running but that doesn't tell you that much until you know how often it's running so it's more interesting monetarily to know how much your refrigerator uses over the course of a month than over the course of when it's running. So this is the kill space a space watt electricity usage monitor. If you're looking for that on Amazon, um, do you have multiple ones of these and you just kind of leave them all plugged in or do you kind of do the refrigerator for a month and then move on to the next device? Yeah, I've got two of them now and it's, yeah, it's mostly when I acquire a new device, I, check it out, kind of make a, at least a mental note of it. Um, and then things that i like right now, my, you know, my humidifier is in use because uh, of the season. Well, that's kind of a, I have to run, uh, 
I, I meter, I capture the information on that over the course of a week because, you know, any given moment of it's running is not that important. But, you know, how much is it costing me to keep the house humidified over time is what I'm curious about. So, Carney, do you have any thoughts here on this? Oh, no. It's, what he's doing sounds like what I used to do in server rooms with very similar equipment. Just, I, I, my interest in the house and power has got, I, I know the sounds, terribly spent there but i really don't care how that on that fine a grain level how much money i'm spending what i care about is how much heat's getting generated and uh, you know and also how long my computer equipment's going to run on my ups so you know i i come at it from a slightly different angle but i used to do the sort of stuff dave does he gave a good description of it what's the what's the concern about the heat generation oh well that's just it comes into ver- in various flavors. It's if you've got a computer and you cram too much stuff inside the box, it both draws a lot more power than you think, and it's very bad for the life of the various components, both for heat and because the power supply can't give you a steady sign. Um, outside the box, if, you know, when you've got servers piled up, or say here at home, I've got three computers underneath my desk is that the difference between the video card I have in my main box right now and the equivalent cheaper one that was, doesn't have the um, low power features would be about 100 watts worth of heating. And, you know, multiply that by three computers and not paying attention to stuff like that, you can end up with your own very own little sauna in the corner of the house. <laughs> Oh, there you go. And I suppose in Atlanta, see, here in Minnesota, we just I would just put those computers underneath my uh, pipes and keep them <laughs> from freezing in the winter. <laughs> I suppose in Atlanta, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the middle of the summer, yes. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's the, the two things when you're running a server room that you're really worried about is waste heat and how long will your emergency power hold up. <laughs> right, right. So, Dave, do you have any uh, tips for budding uh, electrical measurers out there? Any things you've learned from hard, uh, hard-boiled hard experience? Don't believe the label? Yeah, you know what? That, that that actually lines up with, I mean, the only thing I could think of is that, you know, you'll buy something, it'll have a label on it of some sort, and it's practically meaningless other than really? giving you a, well, I, I shouldn't say it's practically meaningless, but you should not believe that. Um, it's more useful for if it's going to be the only thing hanging at the end of a 20 foot thin extension cord. And it says, you know, don't pull or, you know, it, it says it's like pulling 1800 Watts and your extension cord says, don't go over 600. Okay. Pay attention to that. But sure. Like for example, if you had a, a hair dryer on the end of an extension cord and you were underneath your sink and you'd let it go for like a half an hour to unfreeze your pipes, something like that you'd want to watch out for. <clears throat> Yeah. So, speaking of which, when is the fire damage going to be fixed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're saying those those yellow stickers that come on the uh, on the appliances are are just uh, really rough guidelines and not yeah. not that accurate. Oh yeah, well, now I was talking about the every single device that comes with a label that tells you that information. If you're talking about sure. what is hanging inside of your refrigerator at the store or yep. on the side of you know those are typically hanging on the side of the relatively high draw high cost uh, items yes exactly 
those are probably a I would consider those to be a decent ballpark. Okay. But, you know, if you put your if you if you keep your freezer in the garage in Texas, it won't match the numbers. <laughs> if you keep your freezer in the basement in Minnesota, it won't match the numbers. Right. So, yeah, they're probably doing it. I assume they're doing it like in a 75 degree room or, you know, something, some, you know, somewhere at uh, somewhere deep in the bowels of underwriters laboratories somewhere. Uh, in my opinion, those tags have got the same validity as miles per gallon information on a car sticker. Okay. Is that if you're going to compare refrigerator A to refrigerator B, yeah. If you're expecting to get any kind of actual, you know, useful information, planning information out of it, no. Yep. You want to use Dave's method and get the kilowatt and run it for, you know, a week. Yeah, I guess I would tend to agree with that mostly, except that comparison for sure, but miles per gallon, that depends on how heavy your foot is. And how many kids you got getting in the refrigerator, you know, whether you're putting hot food in. <laughs> yeah, what's, depend, what's use of your refrigerator completely depends on your, you know, your approach to life and how many people are in the house. And So basically, it's useful for comparison, but doesn't really tell you anything specific. You know, you'd have to, you have to analyze your own information on that sort of stuff. Same deal with the car. You know, you know that the car A uses less gasoline than car B. But don't expect to get their miles per gallon number. Right, right, right. Okay, so, but that's good. That's good information to have. I mean, at least we know what they're for. They're not necessarily for, you know. I mean, they have like the little estimated costs, and these are the Energy Star um, stickers that we're talking about. They, I think they, all, yeah. they all say like Energy Guide with a little arrow on them, and um, I think they're actually produced by um, the. They're produced to the uh, uh, Federal Trade Com- FTC. Uh, standards. I'm not. I don't think the FTC actually does the actual stand. The actual. Measuring. No, they probably farm it out. I'd be very surprised if that was in yeah. the house. No, I'm sure each manufacturer is going to have to pay for that anyway. Kind of like they have to do with underwriters' laboratory yeah. and all that other stuff too. But anyway, th- but it's good to know what they're for. They're kind of for comparison. They're not for you know. It's not actually going to cost you thick sixty three dollars per year or whatever it says it is. Probably yeah. yeah. Well, in the ballpark. I think another thing to keep in mind based on my experience, because this is something that comes up. I talk about it with people because it's of an interest to me. And so it seems to me like there are so many people out there that don't have the slightest idea whether uh, a $500 a month electric bill in a 1,000 square foot apartment, they, they don't know, they don't realize that that might be askew. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people also don't necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people also don't know necessarily how much, a you know, oh, hey, I'm going to put a space heater in my basement, and they don't really have any idea how much it's actually going to cost them. Do you guys? And run the air conditioning in the next room. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, just if you're, you know, if you're really at the pre-budding stage, getting a just a general sense, spend a few moments, like talk to people that live like you do. And, you know, if your bill's $500 a month and yours is, and theirs are $100 a month, then, okay. You might be able to save some money. <laughs> this is worth digging into. Um, you know, in general, most people aren't that askew, but I've talked to people who had insane electric bills and they had no idea that that was out of the norm until I spoke with them. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, get out there and talk to your friends and neighbors and find out how much they're paying for their electricity. <laughs> <laughs> We've been inspired. 
Uh, so, Carney, tell me about your car repairs. Oh, this is just the, the joys of having an older car. Well, I don't suppose it's because of an older car. It's just stuff that needed to be done. But I took the car in to have all the fluids checked and everything. Turns out that, um, I can't even remember the name of it, but the, one of the seals for the transmission fluid, a gasket, had gone bad and it was slowly dripping, you know, transmission fluid everywhere. So I needed to get that fixed. And that led to discovering that the car also was had a problem with um, part of the the radiator system. So got that worked on. So car's all nice and shiny, got all the new fluids, got all the, the gaskets replaced and everything. Drove it up. Well, as, as the... the the guy at the shop said, well, you know, it's a pressurized system. And once you fix one thing, the next thing in line is going to fail. So yesterday I got to take my car and have it, the water pump replaced because there was another gasket that blew out. And this one basically stripped all the lubricating oil off of the timing chain. And it was a good thing I got it in there before because another day or two of running, I still would have had coolant, but I might not have had a timing chain anymore. Mm, now, that would have been the end of your engine then. Uh, potentially, yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of these things where follow up on your maintenance all the way to its logical conclusion, I guess, is the, <laughs> the moral of this story. <laughs> So because you're the, so you're not you're not one of the guys that looks at the uh, check engine light and puts a piece of black tape over it. Oh God, no! I get <laughs> I get so I get so jittery about that. It's like the light; it's staring at me. I must do something about it. But <laughs> but you know, in this case, it was more of a situation of you know everything's connected. So just because you just got your car looked at and they fixed something, if you get on the road, don't assume everything is just fine. You know pay attention because fixing one thing may have broken another or exposed an already existing break. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you remind me and perhaps the new listeners, what, what year is your vehicle? A 1994 Mustang GT. Okay. So it's a uh, pre OBD two. You're gonna have to explain that one to me. I'm thinking whether he's right. He might be. I yeah, OBD2 was, uh, I believe, 96, and that's onboard diagnostics, and they came out with oh, OBD, sure. and then OBD2 came a little bit later, and version 1 was significantly less useful than uh, version 2. Um, so it, it, I just had this curiosity when you mentioned the check engine light. Um, anything prior to OBD0 was, uh, I don't think that if they had a check engine light, it was based on, I guess, a the, some meter w- <laughs> got pegged out somewhere or something, yeah. but after it just automatically comes up after every three thousand miles. <laughs> My car has quite a few sensors in it actually, and you can get they can plug it up and get a pretty good read on what what the problem is. But I'm not sure if it's OBD one or not or original. All right, cool. But it's it's a, so it's running well now though. Okay, yes, here we go. All cars built since January 1, 1996 have OBD2 systems. Manufacturers started incorporating OBD2 in various models as early as 1994. So we don't really know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not enough of a car geek to argue with Dave, but some nagging voice is telling me that my car is OBD2. All right, but in any case, it's, it's running well now. I hope. 
I hope leave the, we'll leave the audience with a little bit of hope. Well, and a follow-up <laughs> topic. That's right. Yes, yes. You can do some OBD research for us. Excellent. All right. So we're going to do uh, what's been good this fortnight. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the, the classics. The Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. My wife had only seen The Dark Knight, so we decided we were going to watch all three of them again. And uh, you know what? They are darn good movies. I had kind of forgotten how good they were. Batman Begins, actually quite excellent. I'd say one of my favorite Batman origin stories, Dark Knight. Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is really good, and the rest of the movie's pretty darn good. And Dark Knight Rises, I would say, not quite as good. But uh, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman is fantastic, and the kind of the wrapping up of the trilogy, they did a really nice job with it. So, you know. I hate to give such glowing reviews on movies, but uh, I don't really hate doing it. There's it's, it's three good movies, so go watch those if you guys have you guys seen those. You know, I've seen them, but I can't put them together. I was just thinking I need to go back and watch them after listening to you. Yeah, nope, definitely be worth a rewatch. I, I think I've seen them all, but I I cannot visualize and differentiate between them based on their title. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, I think the oldest one is maybe 10 years old, maybe a little bit older than 10 years. And uh, the last one was 2012. So and they really they still hold up. They're still really good movies. Uh an ama- amazing lack of of uh like uh, 3D animated special effects. There's a lot of really good practical effects in the second the second movie was shot mostly in Chicago. Yeah, go see those movies. They're good. Or rent them for heaven's sake. They're only 2.99 to rent. All right, cool. Anything else you guys want to chat about here tonight? Well, I, actually, I have one point two things on the uh, what good happened this week. Excellent. Um, oh, the, the first thing, uh, the point two is that you can stand up and walk away during uh, Super Bowl halftime. <laughs> <laughs> and then the 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 one is that the the Super Bowl I thought was actually quite entertaining this year. Um, I watch one football game a year. It's the Super Bowl, and usually it's a flop. But this was actually pretty interesting. I'm sure the people who, you know, were rooting for the Rams might disagree. But entertainment-wise, when you don't care, it was just it was actually pretty decent to watch. Wow, that's good. Well, you're you're probably like the one person in America who thinks that because I think, uh, and I think that's awesome because I you know it was kind of a defensive battle. It was kind of an old school football game but a lot of people have been were just complaining about how boring it was but an old school championship game happens in ice and snow oh i see you want the ice bowl from the 60s oh, yeah. with, the, uh, with the green bay packers well, carney you do know where this took place right <laughs> yes i managed to avoid the entirety of downtown for two days okay. yes because yeah. even if they'd opened <laughs> up the roof it would have not been icy <laughs> but it would have at least been cold. Yeah, we had the Super Bowl here in Minneapolis last year, and you had it this year. It's it's not fun to be around the Super Bowl. Nah. It's uh, it, it was definitely something to avoid around here. But Oh, yeah, it was a three-ring circus complete with fenced-off streets, as if our traffic isn't bad enough to begin with. Carney, what do you have that's been good this fortnight? <laughs> um, I was just going to say, you, you brought up the Batman Begins, and that reminded me that I am... Um, went back and did a binged through one of my favorite web comics and I figure it's worth a shout out to Girl Genius. Oh yeah. You know, it's girlgenius.com and they've got 
like a dozen books worth of comics free to read if you know online so if if you like web comics and this one catches your fancy it's well produced well scripted and it's a long runner nice i have not tried that but i've got uh, got the web page open right now i'm going to bookmark it and give it a shot thank you all right very good thanks everyone for listening you want to give us some feedback we're at dedicated nerds on twitter or you can send us email dedicated nerds at gmail.com come visit us listen to the podcast dedicatednerds.net as well I'm Rob Fiorandino. I've been here with my good friends, Dave and Carney. Thank you, Dave. It's been great. And thank you, Carney. Bye. And goodbye and good night to you both. <laughs>